Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday at Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you had a good weekend. We are off and running. It is decision time, not only for some NFL executives and coaches and scouts, but also those that head to the portal, those that stay where they're at, and uh, acquisition time potentially. For Nebraska, for a couple of defensive linemen. We'll get into it. Numbers to dial us up can join us at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. And uh, find and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt, that's me, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Now, uh, it is kind of a holiday. It's the NFL draft. You'll hear it on many of our Hale Varsity affiliates. Things get going at 6 on Thursday. And uh, we have plenty of takes, including the latest projections for some of the Huskers that will hear their name called uh, Friday or Saturday, likely Maybe a surprise Thursday, but not betting on it. So what's the optimal number for you as a Nebraska fan? How many Huskers should be getting drafted a year? Let's talk about that for a second before we dive into the weekend activities. You know, it was pretty standard for me as a kid who grew up, uh, you know, following Nebraska in the 80s and into the 90s, where at a minimum, you'd have four or five guys. And you may not have a first-round guy every year, but you'd have a, you'd have a, a second-round second guy, a third-round guy, and then you'd have a number of dudes that were kind of in that, that fourth through sixth window. And even going back in time a little further, the NFL draft used to be 12 rounds. So you'd have guys who got picked late, like a Richard Bell or a Nate Turner. These are... You know, mid to eight, mid to late eighties guys that were incredible ball players in Lincoln, or uh, Tyrone Hughes, for example, who was a wing back and then a, a corner, and uh, an incredible punt returner for the Saints. So, even guys that weren't air quote premium picks in the first three rounds, they still had pretty good careers. And then you look at guys like Grant Wistrom, who went six overall, that played ten years. Uh, you look at. Uh, a Mike Minner, who went a decade and got to a Super Bowl. Mike Rucker, almost a decade, got to a Super Bowl. Uh, you, you know, Christian Peter played a long time in the NFL, a couple of Super Bowl trips, and even some of Nebraska's secondary. Tony Veland uh, was a special teams guy for, for Denver's Super Bowl team, 
and uh, Tyrone Williams played a lot of great years in Green Bay. Uh, Ralph Brown, also a Super Bowl. So Nebraska's 90s teams, whether you started for a lot of years or you were a, a primary player, uh, you came in and, and then you had life beyond Nebraska as a football player. Offensive line-wise, I mean, it was really cool uh, getting home from church, and on Sundays you'd see Wiegert or you'd see Stye or you'd see an Aaron Graham or you'd see uh, some of those great offensive linemen uh, that you watched on Saturdays as a kid uh, playing in the league for a long time. So I kind of settle in, have a first or second round guy about every other year, you know, and then probably maybe four to five guys total because the last run on, on Nebraska guys, I mean, you have to go back to 2015 where you had Randy and Amir go, uh, and then it's kind of been – hit or miss, where you've had some guys uh, like Levante David. I mean, he's had a, he's had a Hall of Fame career, second-round guy. Barrett Rood had a, uh, a second-round selection as well, and he played a long time in the league at a very, very high level. So that's where I'm at. I'm going to stick with give me a first- or second-round guy about every other year and give me a total of four to five guys. And what was really cool with Nebraska – even with, uh, you look at Searle's class, I mean, those guys, maybe they didn't get drafted, but they 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 were elevated from practice squad to play, you know, four, five, six years in the league. Yeah, I'll actually echo what you say here with the uh, first, I, I think the first round pick is, is not necessarily the most important aspect, but I think you got to have a, a high level guy on your team if you want to be competing for conference titles and getting into high level bowl games. You need to have a guy who is going to go be a, a multi year starter in the NFL on your team at least one. So that's why I'm going to agree with you that every two to three years, because you think about how long those guys who are future NFL star players, guys who are going to stick and stay in the league for a while, those guys will probably get two to three years of playtime in college. So I'll say a first round pick every two to three years and sure, four to five. Five, six guys getting drafted, great. Anywhere between four and six, I think, is it, a it's good way number. it's easier said than done. Oh, I mean, sure. think think how great Russell Wilson is, and he's a third round pick, right? Because there were some question marks about Russell's height. But the other the other part of this is the advertisement, mm. right? I mean, you, your advertisement is well, Nebraska's had a guy playing the Super Bowl for a thousand straight years. Well, Nebraska's had a guy picked in the draft. They had a draft streak going. I mean, that that is that is phenomenal propaganda when it comes to recruiting. And the other part, you can't beat the free advertisement. You have to go back to the 2010 draft. But, I mean, the world was on fire for Ndamukong Sue. He was it. He maybe didn't win the Heisman, but he was the best and most well-known college football player in the country that year uh, because of what he did throughout his senior season and also what he did in the big 12 championship game with old musburger calling it so you had that that sue factor i don't know that nebraska reaped too much from it other than look look at the defensive linemen that were at nebraska shortly thereafter you you had a great crop of vincent valentine malik collins and and randy gregory all playing together shortly thereafter guys who i'm sure got to see what indomitian sue did at nebraska we'll talk to kaz about that when it came to recruiting how much would the, of the, the Sioux sales pitch was involved with that, with those guys or not at all? I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I really don't know. Good topic for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would like to think that there was a Sioux factor, but it didn't immediately. When you look at the recruiting class of the defensive line uh, in 2010, 2011, it, 
none of those guys stuck and stayed. Mm. I mean, so it was it was a little different. But you know, give me uh, the, the advertisement and the 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 factor of all right, Nebraska's going to have a first round guy. I mean, it built on top of itself uh, with guys like Broderick Thomas, Danny Noonan, Neil Smith, all going top 10. I mean, we're talking bang, bang, bang consecutive years under Coach McBride. And then what happens? You get into a, just an incredible run of rush end edge rushers from a Mike Kroll that went, I think, fourth overall. And then a couple of years later, out on the edge, you have a Tomich go second or third round. And then you have a Rucker. Then you have a Wistrom. Then you have a uh, uh, a Vandenbosch. I mean, you had, and then you had Chris Kelsey, second round. I mean, you had guys that were all, you know, first through fourth teamers, freshmen through senior, senior through freshman. They were all playing at one point or crossing over uh, on the on the defensive line for you. And uh, it was just stacked. It was just stacked with NFL talent that was half God given and, and quite a bit developed. So that's that's Nebraska's aim is to be you know, on, on day one of the draft, you know, I mean, it's been since Prince Amukamara since you've had a first round pick, you've had good players go, you've had high draft picks, but you haven't had first round guys for quite a while We're working on uh, 11 years. Do you think there's any guys that, on the current roster now that have first round potential? That, that's the, that's the question. Ooh. Cause I, I think you, you got to have a, a guy or two with first round potential on your team. If you want to be worth something. I, I, as a team, I mean, we've seen teams make it without. I mean, you look at Kentucky this year. Kentucky had a great year this year, and I don't think they have any guys that are projected first round no, picks. I think, but, I think Wandale's your. But but Kentucky's had some first round guys on the defensive side of the ball the last few years. Well, I guess they had that linebacker this year. I can't remember his name. Bud, right? Is that his name? I don't know. He went to Pittsburgh, didn't he? Well, no, there's the guy coming up in this year's draft. draft. The guy that was uh, did the advertisement for the dentist office. Yeah, yeah, you're right, that. you're right. Okay, so Kentucky might the the offensive side of the ball though. I think Juan Dale's their their but their hope. I'm trying to think of of guys that are that are currently on the Nebraska roster that have first round potential. I mean, we haven't got to see enough of Fedoni on the field. I mean, you could see from his recruiting profile that. Yeah, sure. Someday down the road he could be, but we haven't really seen him on the field. And I got the, the knee I injury. Got nothing for you. Trey, Trey Palmer, former five star guy. Apparently, good reports coming up, but again, we haven't seen enough on the field. I'm I'm not seeing any guys on this current roster that stand out to me and go, "That's a first." Is there anybody pick. on the defensive side? You don't think so? No. I mean, Oshawn Mathis. Oshawn Mathis from his from his video, you lead you to believe he did. Oshawn Mathis, guy. if if he uh, if he comes to Nebraska, right? So there's that. Let's uh, switch gears real quick over to uh, to Nebraska baseball because we have something positive to talk about. And how about 19 runs yesterday? How about uh, salvaging a game? But more importantly, the approach. Right? You had more a more aggressive more competitive approach and will bolts postgame comments echo that and you, you wonder you know what's wrong with nebraska baseball and we've been asking that question out loud for a while and it comes down to mindset attitude and mental toughness those are three points will bolt reiterated and it's got to be a day-to-day right it's it's is it a mature approach or are you going to ride the high and duck and cover during the lows because it's been up and down 
uh, more down than up for Nebraska. Nebraska got a chance to get again that uh, that dreaded momentum in a headlock and start handing out noogies, start playing some winning baseball, put a run together. Uh, K-State tomorrow, UNO Thursday, Iowa this weekend. I know Iowa's in fourth, and you're looking at two to three teams maybe find their way to to, uh, to regional play. Nebraska's job, Nebraska's goal is to, uh, to, to, to flip the switch and get right between now and uh, the end of the season, which is quickly approaching as May's around the corner. And that is absolutely uh, staying in front of Purdue or whoever's in that ninth spot. Mm-hmm. At least find your way, you know, uh, five through eight somehow. Get to Omaha for the end of May Big Ten tournament. But see if you can settle down from a pitching standpoint. See if you can settle down from a defensive standpoint, Elijah. And, and most importantly, uh, adapt and adopt this day-to-day mindset where it can't be feast or famine. You can't have a, a plethora of bombs and score in eight out of nine innings against the worst ERA on Sunday to salvage a game and then in that same weekend set, strike out 16 times, five hits against lowly Indiana pitching. And then you, you battle back and you lose that opener eight to seven. You take the opener and you go off for 19 runs on Sunday. All of a sudden, it's, it's a two to one weekend versus a, a one and two weekend. I mean, would you believe, based on all the conversations we've had around Husker baseball, that they're almost a 500 team in Big Ten play? And if, if, you, I, if, you, if you swap one 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 run game in the Big Ten, which I think there's been three of them, if you swap one of those where it's a Husker gonna, win, you, Nebraska's at 500. You're, you're going to go down the close loss discussion with me <laughs> That's not my in, 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 in baseball, like we've done in basketball, and like we lived in football. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, it just it's just common discussion point. The other thing too is, I mean, Minnesota's a bad ball club. Right, Illinois is not great. Not the Nebraska's world beaters, but those are Michigan State as well. Right? Uh, I said Illinois is in there. I think Illinois is in second place, so I traded yeah, them. But below Nebraska is Purdue, Indiana, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Minnesota. Yes, you get Michigan State and Minnesota to come to town. Uh, you better go four and two, at worst. Uh, but you can't predict anything with this club, so. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, maybe maybe they finally found their groove against Indiana. It'll carry it forward. But you're waiting for them to kind of take off and, and, and fly right. And, and they just they haven't. They haven't been because of their offensive approach, their pitching and their defense. It, it just feels like this team could be a year a year away. I guess that's that, that's the best it's way fine. to put it is that this team is is still pretty young. Both in the, up as well in, in, the arms. both in the bullpen and in the lineup, and it, it just feels like it, it's a good year to get some experience. A win would be making the Big Ten tournament and winning a game mm-hmm. or two, I, I think. But it, it just it, it's not the year that we hoped it would be uh, in terms of what could project and and what players could improve to a point to, to fill some gaps from some great players last season. But it just with, with the talent that departed, it's going to take some time to get their their sea legs under them, if you will. And, and maybe they're they're getting there to to finish the season, but. It, it just, ah, uh, it, it's one of those one of those seasons where you just go. You can see the talent; it's just not ready yet. That's fair. That's fair. You gotta you gotta warm it up and let it hatch. 
just a bit. April 30th is nearing. That is Oshan Mathis Day to Nebraska fans. What will be revealed on social media? Uh, interesting documentary from Oshan that's on YouTube that lays out his life, his hopes, his dreams, his football life, and gives you a look behind the curtain, too, for uh, just what he's about. And he's about taking care of his family. Uh, does that bode well for Nebraska? Does Texas have the advantage? What's the price tag NIL-wise? We'll dive into that. We'll hear from O'Shawn and a couple of snippets from his documentary. Greg Smith will weigh in next on the O'Shawn Mathis decision. Also get Greg's take on Devin Drew. How did that visit go from a, uh, a much-sought-after experienced defensive lineman on the interior from Texas Tech. He was in Lincoln this weekend. Had Nebraska show out. Plenty of recruiting on the way. Uh, we'll dive into more O'Shawn Mathis. Greg Smith with us next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now. And now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. That $20 bill is still up in the studio. I'm about ready to take it. (laughs) (laughs) Greg Smith who is with us. Recruiting insider HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Greg Smith HV. Greg, I swear there's some sort of hidden camera here in studio. You've visited this studio many times, but there's just this $20 bill that's posted on the inside of the other side of the glass. It's just taunting Elijah. I think Elijah should take it, drive to Council Bluffs, and put it on Aiden Hutchinson as the top pick overall. I mean, that sounds like a really solid pick. Unless you could get, like, Aiden or the field, um, I feel like, as you never know, it's going to be a shocker out there. Um, that'd, that'd be a pretty smart move. Well, did you see the discussions today that— They're going with the Georgia kid. Yeah, that, that's like the, the owner wants Aiden Hutchinson, but the GM wants the Georgia kid. Uh-huh. So, But I saw the thing where the Georgia kid would be like the someone with the least amount of facts to go that high. No, like, I know. I mean, it's— Like, it's just nuts. Like, it's, that's a crazy story. I, th- I think they should go with that NC State offensive tackle. He's he's a beast, and you can always use a, an offensive tackle. Well, for listen your, to your the old, quarterback. Listen to the old lineman here. Just stop for. <laughs> right. Listen to him. Hey, hey, Trevor Lawrence isn't that valuable if he's on his back the whole game. Well, come on now. I mean, he's he's playing for Urban. He wanted to he wanted to get the hell out as soon as he. Oh, I get to get to go to go to Jacksonville, and I get to play for Urban. This is shaping up. Hey, uh, Dabo, can I come back, please? Uh, maybe it was a thought bubble. But, Greg, a uh, pretty awesome week here between the NFL draft and, of course, we'll have more thoughts uh, on Saturday from one O'Shawn Mathis. Let's start there as, uh, well, you, you got your ear to the ground, my friend. 
uh, time to spill your guts. <laughs> what, what are you feeling? What are you hearing here? And uh, we'll have a little bit uh, from Oshan himself here in about 10 minutes from his documentary. Good documentary, by the way, that YouTube put up. Yeah, it definitely was good and worth checking out. Uh, really good kid. Like, he just seems like an interesting kid. Um, and anytime you have someone that age that can carry uh, even a small documentary, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, the thing that I'm hearing is that Nebraska feels pretty good about its position right now. Um, we know that he's visited Texas a few times. And, you know, part of that to me um, is that he's right down the road, right, from Austin, or he's in Austin, right down the road from University of Texas. Uh, so it makes it a lot easier to get there. He's got familiarity there. But Nebraska, and we said this when he took that official visit, they did everything they really could do to put themselves in position um, to land him. There's plenty of opportunity here, both on and off the field. Um, Nebraska feels pretty good. I, we'll see where it goes because uh, he just—it ne- feels like you just never know, especially with these big ones uh, where Nebraska really, really needs this kid. They do, and NIL is going to play a monster part of this. And we've both heard in the upwards of of half a million, maybe more, maybe a shade less, but six figures nonetheless. And does that bother you or are you like, cool, go get yours and, and produce on the field? Part of me, is, a large part of me, is cool, go get yours, and then go produce on the field, and you'll be set up for a long, long time, right? Like, it'll go far far beyond the half a mil if, if that ended up being the number. The other part of me does wonder, though, half a mil is more, is that more than what Barrett Rude made when he first got here as an assistant coach? It, it might be um, more than he makes now. Yeah, like I don't think he gave yeah, – because I couldn't remember it offhand if he gave – he was part of that latest raise uh, round that happened. He, um, he was, so but it's still not yeah, there. So, but he's still not there, right. And so that's the, that, those are the things that get a little weird. Um, I'm all for the kids making money. Hey, if that's where we are, that's where we are, um, and more power to him. Uh, it might create a little bit of a situation in the locker room because it's been so heavily talked about. Like I would just be really curious. Um, and it's not just at Nebraska, like a, a whole lot of – places like what those conversations are like with, with kids on the team if there are conversations about it um, because that has to be really interesting if you're bringing a guy in then you're going to potentially give him that much money or help him to get that much money what do the guys that are already there and have already produced at the school think? Well, Greg, I mean, in every sense, it almost feels like college football is moving more and more towards the NFL with, with the transfer portal feeling like free agency. And you mentioned O'Shawn Mathis potentially could make more in NIL money than, than Coach Rude, but that's kind of the way the NFL has been doing it for years now. The, the, the players who are performing on the field are the ones that are making the, the money, you know? Yeah, that, that is a great point, too. I wish that if this is the way it's going to go, when you talk about the transfer portal being free agency, like I just wish, like if I knock on the door to, to Mark Emmer's office, like and tell him to wake up from whatever he's in there doing, like can you like help to make some sort of rules to give some guardrails here, not just for NIL, but like think about if we actually had like kind of a transfer portal um, period in college football so that you knew at this date your roster is set and there's no more movement um, that would be kind of nice too, right? There needs to be restrictions, stipulations. You, you have a number of coaches that are already on record with not liking it, and it's not Dabo and Saban saying, you know, I, I don't have control, I hate this. It's, no, this is bad for the sport, and uh, it's they're already going to get rich. They're already rich. So they'll adapt and survive and thrive because – 
Clemson and Alabama have football crazy fan bases in a great way, and they'll pass the hat around. Uh, you have uh, things being set up, it sounds like now, from a couple of different media reports where you can throw five grand in and be a part of the booster club. You know, I, I don't know what dear old dad and his business paid to, to be a part of the, the, the Lions club, but they, back in the day, had a, a coach, an assistant coach or a recruiting guy once or twice a month. I forget the, the, the dates, but they'd come talk to the group, right? And I'm sure that wasn't free, So, but it wasn't. 5g a person i I, maybe it was i don't know but the the point is is it's the the numbers there's more zeros to the uh the the front number now yeah absolutely and part of the issue here it's not it's so weird because it's not actually name image and likeness that has become the issue you still have those sorts of deals that this was actually initially created for are still happening and you have some really cool ones um megan whitaker um you know creating the thing with 402 creamery that aaron uh, Sorensen has something coming out about um in the magazine and has written something on hellvarsity.com about like that's a totally separate deal than when we're talking about like a collective being put together for the sole purpose of getting football recruits right those are two separate deals and i think that like people have to recognize that and also think that at some point this is going to change like I can't imagine that forever that it's going to be like this, but you better get in while you can if you're one of these players. Let's switch gears, and what are you hearing about Devin Drew and his trip to Lincoln? Yeah, from from what I'm hearing on that one, Nebraska feels good about the position because Devin Drew seems to have really enjoyed himself uh, over the weekend uh, with that visit. Like Obviously, he plays a, a critical position for Nebraska right now that they need to continue to fortify in the interior defensive line. Um, but, but I think Nebraska put itself in a really nice position, a kid um, with some interesting ties, right? Like Iowa Western, Kansas City suburbs. Um, you want to get people out of that area so that you can continue to build that pipeline. Nebraska's done a really good job. Um, especially here with, with Coach Bush and Coach Joseph, are trying to make their way out um, in that Kansas City region. Um, so I, I think Nebraska has a good chance there with him, and hopefully you know something sooner rather than later. Talk to me about Iowa Western and why it's not been more of a resource for Nebraska. I mean, there's been kids that have gone, and you'll hear their name this weekend, uh, specifically Winfrey that's at Oklahoma on the interior. That's the latest. But you got Brees, uh, you know, Hall from Iowa State that was up there. Nebraska passed on. Uh, you may get uh, Devin Drew the, the second time around, this time coming from Tech. But, you know, Nebraska, I mean, Coach Osborne helped start that up and, and get it rolling, so to speak, with, uh, with Coach Stroh. So why has Nebraska not been more active up there? Yeah. That has always kind of baffled me, and, and it kind of it, it's, it's one of those things where Nebraska not being more active at Iowa Western kind of reminds me of Nebraska not being more active in the state um, and really in the immediate region, right? Because we're talking also about go the other way, go to, over to Kansas, um, go over to Missouri. Like Nebraska just hasn't been as active as you would like them to be um, in the really, really close areas, and especially at Iowa Western where they're continuing to put guys in the Power Five leagues that are going on to have a lot of success and then, like in the case of those guys you named, um, having NFL prospects as well. Now, Winfrey, I will say, is a guy that everybody wanted. Nebraska did try to get him. It uh, just wasn't happening when, when Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley came calling. Uh, but they need to do a better job of continuing outreach to that program for sure. 
Greg Smith's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Greg, just about 15 minutes ago, it had been reported this weekend, but we got official confirmation from Tate Wildeman that he is ending his football career, graduating from the University of Nebraska and deciding to hang it up. Your reaction to that and what it does to Nebraska's D-line after Casey Rogers already left last week? That's a, well, first of all, it's a, it's a tough deal for Tate, the kid that came from Colorado as a four-star guy. Um, there, there was a lot of promise for him. He was a well-built defensive end coming into so Nebraska, um, and there's a lot of promise and hope there, and it just never happened. Like He was really injured from what really the time that he got to campus, so it's just a tough deal for him. Um, and then he kind of bounced around positions a little bit. Like I'm not sure if he ended up in the defensive line room or at outside linebacker. Like It was always tough for him to get started. Um, so I don't think it has a huge impact on the field I think that they would have probably um, been ready for this move given the injury history that he had um, but what it does do you know right or wrong is it frees up another scholarship for Nebraska um, to go ahead and pursue another portal player because they do need guys um, to move on so that they can continue to bring guys in because how tight the scholarships are right now what's your read on Casey just needed to hit reset fresh start was there some frustration that you sensed I think both. Um, I, I think that there was frustration about the kind of the shifting role that he was going to play. Like one of the things that I, I find interesting about what's happened with Nebraska's defensive line is, is it feels like a lot of those guys have moved like closer to you know the center when it comes to where they started off playing and like kind of out on the edge and then continue to move in and having to bulk up. And not every kid wants to do that. I don't know 100 percent if that was what um, Casey's issue was, especially as Nebraska continues to roll out the two defensive linemen look and would have maybe had to rely a lot on that with Ty and Casey uh, given the depth issues that they have there but also given his injury history and that he's graduating uh, here what next month um, he's got a real opportunity to kind of start to look towards what he wants to do after football uh, and beyond college football. Greg uh, we're going to switch gears and where do you want Russell shipped to? <laughs> Boy, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Just somewhere. It's out. <laughs> yeah. I got to knife uh, you with your Lakers. I'm sorry. I got about 20 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's rough. Not only, yeah, I, I got to see that. Um, hopefully, they got to get a trade. They need a coach, and we need LeBron. I guess to get healthy as he's drinking wine and dancing on his patio. Um, driving me nuts, man. I got to not watch these playoffs <laughs> and see the rest of this trash. Well, uh, elite, but it's it's some patio. We'll we'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, no, that's definitely true. If he wants to invite me over that's for a, drilling and wine, I'll go. That's an MVP patio right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, follow Greg Smith at Greg Smith HV for all your uh, draft and, of course, recruiting updates with O'Shawn and company. Greg, we'll talk soon. Thanks for the time. Hey, have a good week, guys. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back to you. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Charlie McBride coming up in 25 minutes. Jay Moore, his path to the draft, and also some thoughts on the Huskers that are going to hear their name called this weekend. And you'll hear the NFL draft locally here on ESPN Lincoln. So let's uh, dive into some O'Shawn Mathis. That is the name that is on the tip of Husker fans' tongues. And where, oh, where will O'Shawn land? (laughs) Is it going to be Texas? Yet again, Bevo punching Nebraska below the belt. Or can Nebraska make a move? And you have about a 13-minute documentary from O'Shawn Mathis. And uh, this was, uh, we have three different snippets from it, specifically his decision about the portal. My name is O'Shawn Mathis. I'm from Maynard, Texas, which is where we are right now. Um, Love it here. Uh, From the get-go, I would like to start off by thanking everyone here in Maynard for the major support they've shown me throughout high school. Um, without them, I wouldn't be in the position I am in today. Um, recently, I've entered the transfer portal. I'm from TCU, looking for a new school, down to my final two options, which is Nebraska and Texas. And um, hopefully we can find a new spot for me to be at and where I can ball and be one of the next legendaries defensive ends to come out of whatever school I come and go to. So, we now have the uh, the portal video. Not just a recruiting video. We have now a documentary on the portal. But O'Shawn's the top-ranked guy in the portal. A little bit more uh, from O'Shawn, his story and background uh, about falling in love with football and, and his family. Any day could be your last day to live. And that's how you should live by and what you should live by always because all the progress you can make can just be taken in an instant. You know, where I come from is a low-income family and which we're always reserved into, low-income neighborhoods. And, you know, we're residing those, you know, gun violence and all that stuff. So he wants to take care of his family. His mom, uh, he has uh, some brothers, and it's been a grind for his mother, and he was able to thrive on the football field. 20 sacks as an eighth grader and continued to grow and develop, and uh, TCU, and TCU's had a run of some success under Coach Patterson. He built that for 20 years, uh, was dumped, Midway through last season, he's now an analyst with Texas. Last thought here from O'Shawn Mathis, uh, specifically here, uh, the, the portal and uh, his decision. I'm now uh, here in the transfer portal, ready to get it going. Have my fantastic few years of, of TCU football and that was the best times of my life I kid you not first year was a first year was a, uh, a bowl season cheesy bowl best thing I've ever been through first time riding a plane all that stuff was great but that also has to go to the point where it has to go out the door and I have to look for a new journey in life 
this new stepping stone I'm going to have to take in order to make myself grow and be in a better position to put my mom and my family and everybody in a better position is to actually find a new school. Now, after thinking about it, after thinking about so much, you know, I've had many people in my ear telling me this, telling me that, telling me this, and I'm like, ah, man, I, I can't really tell you as much as I want to what school I'm going to choose, and, but it comes down to my decision. And you'll be soon to find out my decision. The old cliffhanger, Elijah. You betting your money, my money. Where's he going? If, if I was calling it right now, I think Nebraska's the favorite. I, I, I really do. When you think of, I mean, you, you look on Twitter, all, all the Husker fans that have have shown their support saying, yeah, we want you here in Lincoln. I, I think he sees the NIL opportunities here, and we've spent so much time discussing how important NIL is, especially in this recruitment. And I think this, what we've heard here from Oshan kind of understates that, where he discussed his background, talking mm-hmm. about wanting to support his family. That's why NIL has been so crucial in this uh, recruitment. And I think, I mean, I can see it from where I sit. I, I don't, I think Oshan is, uh, is, is most likely able to see it as well, that, that Husker fans want to see him in Lincoln. And when you compare that to, to, the, to the fan support of Texas, not saying that's bad by any means, but there's going to be NIL opportunities both places, but I think the fan support here in Lincoln might, might take it over the top. Here's the other part. You're just going to be playing in a better league against better competition. Mm-hmm. You can get taken care of short-term in Lincoln, and then you can get taken care of long-term a year from now in the NFL draft. We were talking about... How many first and second rounders should be Nebraska? Should Nebraska be cranking out each year? What's 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 realistic? What's ideal? What they've done in the past versus what they have done, and it's been a drought. Quite frankly, first round wise, it's been a big time drought. With Mathis, I, I think you're going to be able to get the. He, he, my my take would be this: Look, Texas has passed on you once. Okay. Who's to say Coach Patterson doesn't end up coaching somewhere else? I know he's an analyst now. He wants to be a head coach again. Uh, so maybe you spend a year together, but how how much is he going to be involved with you? You've got some crossover with Applewhite, with A.J. Allen, uh, and, uh, of course, uh, you have Omar Manning, right? I mean, those are some TCU connections. You've got Dawson, who's done well when he's been in the NFL. His numbers speak for themselves with pressures and sacks uh, for the Giants. That's who you're going to be working with. And above all, you're going to be teeing it up every Saturday against somebody across from you on an offensive line at a tackle spot uh, within the Big Ten West, specifically Iowa, Wisconsin, and, uh, and Minnesota, that have – Put guys into the league. You're going to be going up against a high level. It's not the SEC, but you're not looking to go to the SEC. Your picks are between the Big 12 and the Big 10. So my selling point is very simply, uh, your coach can get you ready for the NFL. You can help Nebraska win now and be a a key part of that and be heralded for a lot of years to come by coming in and being a 
an instant uh, infusion. I mean, look at Randy Gregory. Despite all Randy's ups and downs, Nebraska fans still smile quite a bit about the thought of Randy Gregory as really the last great pass rusher in Lincoln. And it used to be common where you had a guy off the edge. You had two guys off the edge, and then you had a third guy off the edge and sub in for the first guy off the edge. Uh, Nebraska's hoping to get back to that missing piece. But if Nebraska can go two for two this week, get O'Shawn, get Devin Drew, there's a a couple of nice, big-time, experienced guys to come in and help that line. We'll wind down Hour 1. Hail Varsity continues. And now. And now. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Charlie McBride, 10 minutes away. Jay Moore, his path to the draft. And thoughts on the Huskers that will hear their names this week. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. So we had an interesting weekend uh, of umping, and the conditions were brutal. If you've got little ones, whether you were on the soccer field or softball field or playing baseball with travel ball or even high school ball, the wind and the conditions were <sighs> horrific. The, you, the windiest baseball game I've ever had to work was on Saturday. Right, and it was just murder with, with all the dust and blowing conditions, and the state needs to stop taking prescription meds and just figure out a, a straight path and quit being windy for four straight weeks. So well, I've said my piece. I mean, like, whenever you're in the middle of, like, an open field, like baseball fields and soccer fields and whatever youth sports fields are, it's, it, it's even windier than anywhere else. It was just, like, dust blowing in my eyes. We had two routine fly balls. It was the dust taken ball. over the wall. It was yeah, just, it was yeah. incredible. There's a kid who hung a normal curveball on our team that's a, a fly out to left that went yard ski. Yep. Now, you know who didn't have bad weather conditions yesterday but had a bad day? Angel Hernandez. Uh, let's just Wait, say. Angel Hernandez had a, had a bad day. It must be a day that ends in Y. Well, <laughs> he's sued Major League Baseball for not uh, allowing him to umpire in the World Series uh, based on discrimination. He still has a job, even though he lost that lawsuit. He is just bad. His accuracy for called strikes, 77%. 11 of the 48 called strikes yesterday in the Phillies-Milwaukee game were actually balls. Uh, His overall accuracy at 88%, he called 113 of 129 taken pitches correctly. The baseball average is 94%. Uh, when it comes to overall consistency, he's at 88% yesterday. Again, the league average at 94%. Kyle Schwarber is a guy I like watching. Kyle Schwarber lost his mind in the ninth as uh, he, with one out, bases empty at a 3-2 count. The, the, uh, the ball is is called a strike, a 3-2, and he, and he gets rung up. He gets rung up, spikes his bat, throws his helmet. Schwarber needs to contain himself a little bit better. But it had been going bad for a while. He had the bottom of the fifth. We had, uh, you know, a one-out situation. Lauer and Segura, 
uh, zero zero count in a ball that's called a strike. So you start off zero and one. That one was bad. I'm not sure if you saw the, the oh, video I, I, of I that. Did. It was that way. Was just... it, there was no way it caught any of the outside. There was no Greg Maddox courtesy corner. See, with, with the with the Schwarber one, I can see it a little bit more because that pitcher had that wide release point, so it was really coming all the way across the strike zone, coming through, and but I, it was low and in. Yeah, I, I can I can see it though. I can see it. This this one in the fifth was terrible, awful. Yeah, and then you had you had Lauer to Camar- uh, Camargo, no outs, runner on first and second, one zero count. The uh, strike is called a ball. So my question is, as an umpire, Elijah, do you look at a guy like Angel and go, "Sweet, there's hope for me," <laughs> or do you go, "Man, how's this guy still working?" A little bit of both. A little bit of both. I will say, I think a lot of a lot is made of like, oh, this was a, a ball and they call it a strike. Consistency is more important in my book, and, and Angel had neither yesterday. No, Angel was Angel. Uh, Charlie McBride coming up, Hour 2 on Hale Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for spending time. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Monday with Charlie. Mr. Blackshirt Charlie McBride is in, and I can hear uh, him uh, now putting the, uh, the the sauce on the wings as he gets ready for the NFL draft. Coach, how we doing? Well, I'm doing good. At least it doesn't snow and <laughs> <laughs> Well, we may be sending some of our lovely wind your way. God, don't do that. Brother, you have already done that. Well, it, it, I, I can't tell you. this. I, I can only imagine from what my grandparents used to tell me about the old Dust Bowl, uh, how, how awful it's been because it's been it's been interesting sitting out in baseball games this weekend with 50-mile-per-hour gusts. I know. I've seen some of them. And it, it looked like everybody's in their snowsuits still. Yes, yes we are. <laughs> We're in long johns right now for later. Coach, I want to get your thoughts on, on the NFL draft. And, and Elijah and I were talking about uh, what what's what's the number Nebraska should be putting in to the NFL each year for the draft or, or sign players and during your career, your run, you put a lot of guys into the league, and a lot of guys were, were really high-level dudes. And you had first and second and third. I mean, you, you had all rounds covered, but you had a lot of high draft picks that, that went on to play a lot of good years in the league. Is that something that 
was a byproduct of of your day to day operation, or was it something that you you tried to go get guys that you think could be future pros? Well, it's interesting because when you really look at it, um, you know that um, you know when we when we looked at say Grant Wistrom, mm-hmm. example, you could tell that he was. You know, he was going to be something special. You know, and you, you kind of wait to see how his work habits are, but the way he was playing, uh, you could tell that, you know, he was one of the better players around. I mean, he was probably, if you talk about an edge player at that time, he was probably as good as we saw uh, all year looking at everybody, you know, play. I think it was uh, the thing that impressed us most was, uh, his, he just never let up. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you'll see kids take a day, he take a playoff or two and things like that. <clears throat> but he played like everyone was the last one. Mm-hmm. And then you go to uh, Jason Peters say, or Christian, and both of them, uh, Christian wasn't the, the most highly recruited kid around. He was strong. He was, you know, a wide body. And Jason actually went to prep school. Mm-hmm. I, if I'm not mistaken, his, his folks wanted him to catch up on with his math. He was behind in math, and so he went to prep school for a year. So, he, he, and I and I think he he was an offensive tackle at times. So you know, there's a di- there's two different kinds of people, and uh, you know, but as far as the kids in the state. You know, one thing, a lot of those kids only have one and maybe two coaches when they're playing eight-man, even playing the down-the-line 11-man. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really tough to, to evaluate. You have to evaluate their running, their toughness, you know, how their flexibility. You can see all the things, you know, that you have to see. But um, it's you know it's it's just uh, you have to just be there. I, for example, I, Lauren Kaiser. I think most of the guys on the on the staff turned him down, mm-hmm. and uh, he because he didn't he didn't play. He was on the defensive line, and he was a guard on the uh, basketball team. He was um, a fullback. He was a defensive end. He was a tight end. Uh, he played some linebacker, um, and so when it got down to it, it was, you know, everybody said, no, he's not fast enough to play that position or this position and that, and I just turned it down, and I, because I knew how he was playing. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he was, he's tough, I mean, you know, and so now you, he's never played the position, so he doesn't have any bad habits or any habits that he had, you have to break him of. And so I said, well, let's make a defensive lineman. And I know at that point, Coach Osborne turned to me and said, no, we're going to have to turn somebody down that, you know, we all think is a good player. But if you think he can do it, he can do it. Well, he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry Keneally was another guy that played, you know, they played out in Hyannis and, <laughs> and you know, and lived in a trailer with during the week and with one of his teammates and, um, you know, and he was, a, he, he was an offensive guy when they started. Of course, that's kind of the, the, the thing you're seeing now is the head coaches 
offensive, really offensive conscious. And I think we changed that a little bit in Tom's thinking is the importance of defense. And, 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 and those are the things that happen. I mean, we had a, I think we hit the minimum we've ever taken at defensive line was probably three to four guys. Mm-hmm. And offensive line, the minimum would be about five. Sure. And so every year. So, you know, we, we would go through the team and and find the, the positions that we had to look for. And there were some years we didn't even look for a tight end. Uh, if I remember right, maybe – one or one or two years, we didn't even look for a quarterback because we had guys, you know, that were there that we thought were good or good players. And uh, but you know, if you get if you get a person, I think from Nebraska, number one, you you got to realize that you got somebody playing in his home state, and football means a ton in this state. So, and you know, you don't like saying, but there is some pressure on him uh, in his in his area, you know, mm-hmm. uh, is he playing? And so I think, you know, the one thing that I tried to do, I don't know if I ever got it across, though, is that we did give black shirts out, you know, to guys that were, you know, in the starting rotation or starting guys that were going to play a lot. But the whole whole team was. And and the thing you have to stress is when they say the black shirts held this team and that team or did something good, it, well, it, it isn't just those 11 or 10 or 11 guys. It's probably 22, 23, 24 guys, you know, that are playing and even more than that. And so, uh, you know, but the, 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 the thing that's important is the feeling for each other. And I think you know when you have a lot of good Nebraska kids on your team, you have that, you have that that feeling for each other. And I think with the fans we have, we they've already proven that, you know, they're as good as there is in the country. So uh, th- those things are really pluses, and they really helped us t- to this day as they are. You hear a lot of kids mention you know, the fans and stuff like that. And that was the same, that's the same thing you'd hear out of the players that we had. And so we were fortunate that the one thing we didn't lose, we may have gotten a little lackadaisical in our playing and things like that along the way, but we haven't lost our fans. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio on Monday with Charlie. Coach, the fan base is going to make quite an impression as can the uh, the fan base and boosters potentially coming up this weekend with O'Shawn Mathis. He's a an edge guy out of TCU that's going into the portal, and he's down to Nebraska, and he's down to Texas. And uh, it sounds like Nebraska has a pretty good shot at him. They've also had another player uh, out of Texas Tech that may enter in the portal uh, he's entered into the portal, but he's looking at Ed Lincoln. And coach, what would what would your pitch be to a guy that can come in and and be uh, be a difference maker, getting after the quarterback? When you look at Nebraska versus Texas, well, I think the one thing is is there is improvement on the football team, and a, a player like him is a, a possibility of really making a difference in the defense and. I think you know the fact that his leadership and his 
you know, what he's done uh, just in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, you know, his coming out of high school and how good a player he was. I think players respect that when he comes in. Of course, the fans, you know, they they look at the, how many stars the guy had, which sometimes is okay, but sometimes it doesn't mean too much mm-hmm. because it, you know, can go backwards on you there. But, um, you know, I I think the biggest thing that you try to sell is you try to sell the the closeness of your team. You try to give him the, uh, you know, the, give him a chance to talk to guys. And be be truthful with him about everything. I mean, there's going to be guys blowing smoke at him and telling him how much money he's going to get here and there and everywhere, and that thing's going to end. Uh, that, there's going to be some rules. If you look right now, they the NFL has doesn't even have as good a deal as we have in college. Because <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, you know they, they they can't get up and go play on any team they want to, and uh, so so there's going to be something happen to that. I think coming up pretty shortly. And, uh, a lot of people are really against the money part of it, um, you know, and I'm sure a lot of players are are changing schools because of money. So you don't know you don't know what whether that's going to be a deciding factor. Um, I know that right now probably is giving money out and so forth. I think probably A and M's done the best job that I that I know of. I know Old Miss has worked at it pretty good, but you know those things aren't going to last. And pretty soon you get a kid there, and all of a sudden that stuff ends, and maybe this isn't where he really wants to be now. Mm-hmm. And so there's you know you have to. I don't know how you work it, but you you play it. You you kind of play it down, or you try to sell the team, the players, the, the fans, the the area, the you know the fact that we're we're one school in a, in a state, and the whole state's behind you. I think that's a big thing that a lot of the kids from down in Texas really don't understand. They they got their next door neighbor may hate their guts because they're you know, go to here or go to there and because mm-hmm. it's serious business. And um, so the thing is, when you have one school in, in a state that you can, the whole state can take take pride in, I think that's that's big. And, and you know, what you, how you play is going to be how much money you're going to make in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, if, you, you, if you're a high draft choice and you do a good job, and you get drafted in the top three rounds, you're going to make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, your chances are good. And, and, of course, when you look at teams, there's hundreds of guys that are in the NFL that were signed as free agents. Mm-hmm. And so you don't ever give up on anybody. Coach Charlie McBride's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Coach, you mentioned being drafted in the first three rounds, the amount of money you'll make. But when you look back at a, at a college football team, uh, this is a – what? Schmidt and I discussed to, to lead off the show today. Is, is there a certain number of, say, first and second round guys that you need to have on, on a football team in order to be successful? Or is having first round picks uh, a, a byproduct of having a successful football team? I, I guess chicken or the egg? Well, I think in the pro ball, you can pretty much look at that. The, the, you know, the, the more guys you have, you'll hear, you'll hear teams right now that have uh, 
eight, nine guys, first rounders starting for them on either either way, either side of the ball, you know, and they don't go to the Super Bowl. Um, and then you'll hear about some guys that aren't that way, and they go to the Super Bowl. It has a lot to do with, you know, who's guiding the team and meaning a quarterback. I think in the NFL it's really important to have one. Uh, you know, it's you know it's the age-old deal. If you can't move it, throwing it, uh, that's that's the one thing in the NFL. You're probably not going to be very successful. And of course, running is is just part of the whole game. I mean, it's it's something that if you can run the ball, it makes it better for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know so. Having having some having guys, you know, draft choices on your team. A lot of teams are doing the same thing college guys are doing, and that's going by free agency. They're getting a lot of the experienced players to play, and uh, of course, you have people, uh, personnel people on your staff that study these guys all year. They look at every game, every play that these free agents play, every one of them. And they don't ever let one guy pass. They, they, they grade every one of them and try to, you know, raise the, the bar on which ones they think are the best ones and try to get them at the end of the year. And so everybody's kind of, you don't, we don't hear as much about all of it. I mean, sometimes you hear one team is interested in so-and-so, but that's not true. It's maybe six or seven or eight teams are interested in them. Coach, we'll uh, get ready for this weekend's draft, and we'll get caught up with you Monday and and see how uh, many Huskers had their name called. How's that sound? Well, I think you're going to find out that we're going to start seeing a lot more uh, players you know, go to the NFL out of out of out of Nebraska. I think you're gonna. It's gonna be a little bit of a growing process mm. right now. I think this year you'll find that uh, there'll be some kids definitely will sign if they don't get drafted. Will definitely sign mm. as free agents. Should be so good. You don't know. You know. You just don't know because if you're not winning, a lot of times the the scouts aren't there as, as much as the. They are if you're a winning team. Get that flipped around. It should be a good thing. Coach, you uh, take care, and we'll talk to you on Monday, okay? Okay. I'll be here, I hope. (laughs) Coach, you take care. (laughs) Thank you. Uh Okay. Bye now. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could... Listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore with his co-host, Big Red Wrap-Up, this time of year. Always special, it is the NFL Draft Week. Jaybird, what do you know? How are you? 
I don't know much, and that's not a bad thing sometimes. So uh, just been busy and uh, glad to hop on here and discuss a little ball with you today. Well, thanks for doing it. Now, you've been busy uh, with uh, with work and meetings. So so this time of year, man, does it uh, does it conjure up emotion at all, uh, remembrance, or you, you're well beyond that? You know, it's funny. I, I completely forgot about it. I was listening to uh, a podcast this morning while I was working out, and they're, they're, you know, I think it was recorded last week, and, and they were talking about how the draft is this week. I'm like, oh, my gosh, is it already, you know, the NFL draft? I've just been so busy with, you know, life, right? I mean, mm-hmm. just with working and, and trying to play golf when the, when the weather's decent out and, uh, you know, being a dad and a, and a husband. So it, I, it's, it's snuck upon me. I, I can – I, uh, I'll be honest. I, I haven't uh, paid that much, you know, that close of attention. I know, you know, you, you got kind of a good idea of, you know, the, the dudes that are coming out who are, you know, going to be, you know, in the top 10 to 15 picks. But, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a big, uh, you know, I'm not an NFL junkie type of guy. I, I do love college football more than NFL. So I, I don't pay as close attention as some people may think, uh, even though, you know, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a phenomenal moment, one of them, you know, best days of my life, you know, being drafted in the fourth round, you know, back in 2007, and we'll never forget that day. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, I'll be honest, it has definitely definitely snuck up on me. I'm just, I'm hoping, uh, you know, some of these Nebraska kids are uh, going to have the, you know, the ability to hear their name called and, and, and have that feeling that I had, you know, geez, you know, what is that, 15, 15 years ago, which is <laughs> crazy so, to say it's 15 years ago, but, that, so, man, I feel old. So where were you when you got the call? I was at my parents' house in Elkhorn. Um, you know, in 2007, it was just a two-day draft. You know, the first and third round, the first one through three was on Saturday, and then fourth through seventh was on uh, Sunday. So I, I knew I wasn't going to go first round. There was a chance I could have went late second. Uh, my agent thought there was like an 80% chance I was going to third. Well, obviously that didn't happen. You know, and and um, and I was obviously really upset. It, you know, it'd been every guy wants to you know hear his name. You know, you want to be called as early as possible and. And, uh, you know, and obviously you make more money and, and <laughs> all those nice perks you get with being drafted earlier. But, uh, you know, it, I had to sleep on it. It wasn't uh, it wasn't great. But the nice thing was, is I think the draft started at 10, 10 a.m. the next morning. And I think I was the first or second pick in the fourth round. So it happened right away. It happened quick. I think by 10 or 10, 15, my name was already called. And I had, I don't, I mean, we probably had 40 to 50 people at our house in the next 30 minutes show up. And it just was a party. There's a party all day Sunday. You know, people were, you know, I don't think anyone went to work the next day. They took Monday off. I think most some of my family members even kept their kids home from school because they're like, we, we're not taking you to school. We had a nice little party uh, all day Sunday. So it was great. The weather was good. Everyone just kind of hung out in the garage and, you know, in the driveway. And we decided we had a nice little neighborhood bash after my name was called. So that was uh, that was a really cool day. Transitioning to the NFL, and you were – a guy that had a, and I mean, you're still a big dude, and you know, I'm not ever going to race you, so we'll just leave that there. But point is, is your athleticism was was kind of circled by San Fran, and while you were a hand in the dirt four three guy, they thought you were athletic enough to to try outside backer, touch on switching systems, going from a four three to a three four. Yeah. It was it was hard. It was it was it was a challenge. Uh, it's one thing to you know, in the four three, you're kind of listening for calls and uh, you, you, you kind of just focus on what's in front of you. Uh, 
you know, whether that be the, the tight end or the tackle. Um, you know, I, and I was in our defense, we did a lot of zone blitzing. So I was always the guy, I was always the end that dropped into coverage. So I, I probably was dropping into coverage, I don't know, more than five times a game, okay. probably closer to 10 times a game. We did, we just ran so many zone blitzes. So I was kind of the guy. So they, I had some familiarity with that, doing that. Uh, it's just I didn't have it too. I didn't understand it from the extent that you need to do it in the NFL. You know, it's um, I was I was communicating to the D line what to do. I was communicating with corners in, when I was in coverage and safeties when I was in coverage. I was communicating with linebackers and coverages and just certain things. And you know, the, the game moves a little faster. Obviously, everyone's a little bigger, a little uh, stronger NFL. So you can you can become um, a little overwhelmed. In that aspect, all of a sudden, you know, I'm I'm trying to learn a whole new system. That game was moving fast, so, and it didn't help that I, you know, I got uh, hurt early in my career. So, you know, my my learning curve was was, was really slowed down. But I, it, it was it was tough. Uh, physically, it wasn't it wasn't a physical thing for me. It was a mental thing. The game was just moving really fast for me because it was a whole new game. I was I, you know, I was essentially I had learned to play football right-handed. And all of a sudden, or play, you want to say, hey, you, you learn how to play baseball right-handed, mm-hmm. you get drafted to the major leagues, guess what? you got to hit left-handed. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, my, that, that's kind of my equivalent of saying that. You know, it's still, you know, you got to tackle. And, you know, I was still able to rush the passer and play some sub-packages and play special teams, which I had no problem doing. It's just, I really, it just took me some time to learn the base calls and understanding, you know, cover six, cover, you know, four, cover twos, you know, you know covering, you know, just different things. And just the communication, it just has to be so on point at the next level because everyone's that good and you have to communicate. If you don't, you're going to, A, you're not going to play. And if you don't communicate, you're going to get beat. So, you know, just learning all those things, I just, it just took me a, lot, uh, a little while longer than expected, you know, from the mental side of it. Jay Moore is with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, uh, want to go to some of the Nebraska kids that are uh, poised to get picked and you look at where some of the guys are slotted and you have Cam Jurgens and, Cam Taylor Britt, second round projections. You've got JoJo to Buffalo per the Athletic in the fourth round, and then Austin Allen in the sixth round. Uh, Daniels maybe a late round or a you know a, a preferred free agent. Same with Samare. Uh-huh. So Nebraska could have a a good year uh, in the draft, a better year than they've had in quite a while. You got to go back to the Amir draft, but of the kids that are up there, who are you most intrigued by? when it comes to the next level in the NFL? Yeah, I think Cam is, is one of those guys because this is athleticism and ability to play that position. I think that is he, – he, he can do some uh, really nice things at that level. And, again, it's, you know, understanding the schemes and schematics and, you know, and the mental and the physical side of it. I don't think that's – I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete. So I think he'll do fine. I think Cam playing corner – will do he'll fit in really well his length and speed and athleticism is, is really good uh has a really you know he just has that that kind of dog mentality that mm-hmm. to have at that level and and, and, and playing in the secondary period you know i think jojo's really an interesting case to me because it kind of seems more and more you know the linebackers you know the hybrid type of guys are fitting in more in today's day and age you know you don't you're not seeing like the the big 275-pound linebackers anymore. You're seeing the, the the 225. You know, it's honestly you're you're seeing more of a Monte David than 
and the guys who can run. Mm-hmm. You still got to play physical, but you know it's it's a guy who's smart. You know, you ever a smart linebacker, but it's a guy who has some athleticism, can play in coverage because that's that is a necessity. You got to be able to cover, and you got to be able to cover tight ends. You got to be able to cover sometimes in the slot. You got to be able to cover uh, running backs. So you got to you got to do those, and he can do all those, and he has the ability to. To, to play the run and, and, and even bring on some blitz uh, uh, packages as well. So I, I think his, you know, I know, you know, the fourth round is, you know, it's about where I thought he would be, but just I think that would be a really good get for a Buffalo or whoever it is. I just think he's, he's kind of that Swiss Army knife, which I think you just see more and more in today's NFL where, you know, it's just not, you know, it, you just don't see the old school, like, Steeler linebackers. Like, I'm trying to think, like, Kirkland, you know, LeBron Kirkland, all those guys back in the day, like there's big dudes and you're just, you're just, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's not a nine on seven drill anymore. It's, it's kind of, you know, the, the NFL games get a little more spread out and you got to be able to play a little more basketball and grass in the back of the day. So I think, I think Jojo will, uh, will, will fit in nicely. Well, yeah, Jay, when I, I look at JoJo, I think people are starting to realize that NFL teams are willing to use draft picks on guys that are going to be special teamers year in year out we've seen that with uh, with Luke Gifford down in uh, down in Dallas and, and I think I see this the same type of role with Jojo as a guy who can come in and contribute right away on special teams while he develops some other areas of his game getting him ready to get on the field eventually yeah without a doubt that is a, that's a good point you know it's that is you know you're only dressing you know 46 guys on, on game day so you got to be able to you know if you're not one of the main starters you know everyone's going to play some role on special teams right I mean usually you know, O linemen are on, you know, field goal protection, D linemen are on field goal block, and then, you know, linebackers and, and some defensive ends and, and safeties and corners and wide receivers and running backs are kind of the, you know, the kickoff returners, punt returners, and pump block guys and all that stuff. So, you know, everyone has a, has a role, but in, he's going to have an increased role because he's probably not going to be a, a day one, you know, slated starter. And uh, you're going to have to do them all. He'll be, on, he'll be on every single one of them, you know, except for probably field goal team. You know, so he'll, he'll be – involved in every single you know special teams practice walk through you name it and that's that's good i mean that's i wish i wish i could have made more of a career for myself in that area i i took it serious um you know it's been nice to get some more chances to play but you can make a nice career you know that's playing playing special teams and playing a, and playing a backup role i know it's not the sexiest thing to talk about and uh, some guys might shy away from it because they want to be that guy they want to be a starter sure but man, you can make you can play for a long, long time and play special teams. I I, I know the, the Patriots kind of always had their guy. I think Slater, mm-hmm. and he's played for years on special teams, and that's just that's his role. So you can you can do a lot of those things, and uh, I, I think he'll fit in well just because he's so versatile. You know, so like I said, he's the Swiss Army knife of, of you know this you know of for Nebraska here the last you know how long I can't remember with the COVID year how long he played here, but. You know, he's going to do he's going to do very well for himself just because he has that ability to uh, to adapt and, and play a lot of different roles. A few minutes here, Jay Moore with us, Hale Varsity Radio, Black Shirt Husker, NFLer, and uh, of course, co-host Big Red Wrap Up. We'll have a few more thoughts with Jay Moore on the way. Reminder to get buckled up. Coaches make substitutions during the game to get the best player on the field. Getting behind the wheel after drinking also demands a substitution. Sober drivers are the only choice. A DUI costs more than you think. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We'll have some more thoughts. The latest athletic projection prediction where the Huskers for 2022 going to go 
second round and beyond is the slate now. We'll tell you where. Two more with Jay Moore coming up with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. All-state, two-year starter, and rush in for the big red and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt, Jay Moore with Hail Varsity Radio. Jay Moore's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Couple of thoughts, Jay, before we say goodbye on on the current Huskers and defensive line depth and, and the youth that we've talked about. A lot of names. We'll see what the portal brings this week. But Casey Rogers is uh, looking elsewhere. What's your reaction to that? A little surprised, you know, because a guy that played pretty well towards the end of the year, and, and honestly, uh, not great from a depth perspective for for you know a D line where they were gonna be a little little more thin than what they were have been the past couple of years. So that hurts a little bit. Uh, you know, I'd I had some people text me, ask me about it and I you know, it was a shock it was I was shocked to see them. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't I don't know what kind of conversations they had after spring ball. You know, I think that's that's something too. Uh you know, you, you kinda have your post spring breakdown with your coach and I, I he heard something he didn't like or I don't we don't know that uh, a family situation or anything like that or if he wanted to be closer to home or whatever it may be so it, it's not it, that definitely does not help Nebraska's you know defensive you know strengths next year and I, and again I there, there could be someone else that you know they're telling them hey we got a guy waiting the wing to come here on a, on a you know, grad transfer or you know some NIL deal who knows you know that's just kind of the world we're living in where it is it's going to be year-round free agency you know, for, for, you know, for the better part of the year. So he must, he could have got some, some different news than he wasn't expecting. So that's not what he wants. So he wants to leave. So obviously it hurts. It hurts. He, he was a guy you thought you could lean on and to play some key, you know, snaps next year. Cause like you said, he played pretty consistent last year. So uh, hopefully, hopefully they can find someone else to step in here and, and take his spot to a, to an already thin D line, you know, going in next year. NIL, does it, would, would that concern you? If you were still in the locker room, if some guy who hasn't been busting it for the team comes in and makes an astronomical number, or does it matter because, A, he can help us win? I ask that because O'Shawn Mathis will make his decision Saturday between Texas and Nebraska. It's going to take probably half a million, right, to, mm-hmm. in NIL numbers to grab him. And it's Nebraska can totally do it. We'll, we'll see if the fit is what it is and the numbers are what they are. But you've got some guys currently uh, on that D-line that, that aren't – I'm sure they're making some, but it isn't even close to what the projections are for Mathis. Yeah, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have an issue with that at all. You know, I, I view it as we're getting a guy here who can – you know, get us a chance to go to a bowl game. If I'm those guys, I'd be tired of staying home every Christmas and only winning three or four football games. Let's get some guys in here who can change this thing around. 
You know, don't be. You know, who cares? Don't be so selfish. Let's. You know, if he wants to, if people want to pay him two hundred fifty to five hundred thousand, great. He better be worth it. That'd be one thing if he came in there and he sucked. You know, he didn't prove it. <laughs> need your you know, ROI, right? <laughs> right. You know, but if he's if he's the real deal, if from everything here, he sounds like he's the real deal. Then good, pay him a million. I don't care. I mean, I'm tired of sitting. I'm tired of not watching Nebraska play in a bowl game and and not be competitive year and year, and year for the last you know four or five years. So let's do what we got to do. I mean, you got to do what you got. You, you got to. You want to compete. Man, you you gotta you gotta check you know every box and unturn every stone, and mm-hmm. whether it's getting guys here at the NIL or, or whatever it may be, you know, and and you got to do what you got to do. So I I would have no problem with it. Now, granted, if he came here and he was a you know he was not a good teammate, it was all about him. You know, that's that's a tough that's a tough thing. It's because it, as long as he's producing and you're winning, and he's doing his job, I don't have any problem with it. Now, mm-hmm. when you when you have a problem is when he's not doing that. You know, he's He's messing up. He's kind of doing his own thing. He's not being a good teammate. Then that's when it becomes an issue. But the, the guy is, you know, averaging a, a sack a game and three TFLs. I, he could do whatever the hell he wants. You know, play for every amount of money. That's 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 my uh, that's my view on it. Devin Drew, Texas Tech. He is a guy that uh, is an Iowa Western guy. Uh, has produced at Texas Tech, and uh, isn't just. Uh, I mean, Nebraska would want him if they get him as a three technique, but Jay, he can play edge, he can play, and they moved him around at Tech quite a bit, so that versatility is uh, pretty important, isn't it, on third downs? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. You don't want to, you know, some guys, you know, they do, they obviously play one position, mm-hmm. but if you can, again, I've, I've used, you know, the Swiss Army knife or, mm-hmm. you know, the versatility, that's that's what you got to have, you know, and that, that just helps your team out. And it, it honestly creates more depth. You know, all of a sudden, like, hey, yeah, I got a guy that can play a one technique. I got a guy that can play a three. I got a guy that can play a five. You know, so we got technically we got a nose guard and a defensive tackle, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's a that's a plus. And so that that creates a little more depth if you at, at uh, if if need be. You know, if you get dinged up and you know it's because you know all of a sudden you lose a couple defensive tackles. Well, we got this guy, but he can only play nose tackle. Well, not necessarily. You know, if you get some reps and you can get them right, you know in the spring ball or in the summer or in fall camp, then boom, all of a sudden you can plug and play kind of wherever across the line. So that's, that's, that's a definite plus if you can play multiple positions, especially we already talked about hit the, you know, multiple times is on, you know, the depth at defensive line is just not going to be what it has been the last couple of years, which was the strength of defense. So they got to, they had to develop some as soon as possible. Jay Moore with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, have a good week, bud. We'll talk soon. Yep. You got it. Thanks boys. Good stuff from Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore and Greg Smith, also Coach Charlie McBride. All three interviews, the in-demand portion of ESPNLincoln.com, so check those interviews out. They're also up on ESPNLincoln.com, the um, uh, ESPNLincoln.com, and, of course, the ESPN Lincoln Twitter handle. We'll have those posted, some SoundCloud goodies, uh, some of the, the greatest hits of, of their interview segments. So here's what The Athletic has out right now as the latest projections for some Huskers off to the NFL. Cam Jurgens is supposed to go at 55 overall. Don't know that he'll last that long to, to Philly or not, but the Cardinals have picked 55. Cam Taylor-Britt, also a second-round projection right now, corner to the Zach Taylor-led Cincinnati Bengals at pick 63. 
This is where it gets interesting. JoJo Doman could find his way up the draft board, but right now slated in the fourth round at pick 130 to Buffalo. They love that hybrid uh, possibility from him. Jay talked quite a bit about JoJo and his uh, ability. And then there's Austin Allen, sixth round, pick 219. And Austin mentioned this to us last week. Tennessee, little Nashville for Austin Allen. Uh, You have uh, the opportunity as well for uh, D-Boogie Daniels to to get picked in the later rounds and maybe some RA2 Ray. I know there's been a lot of teams interested in him, but you have about three or four teams that are hell-bent on getting a center or guard with their first pick. One is Cincinnati, one is Philly, one is San Francisco. So it looks like Linderbaum and Cam are your one-two punch at center to go. It's Big Ten football, baby. That's Big Ten football, and uh, I can go down the list of, uh, of Big Ten edge rushers that are supposed to go first and second round. All of them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got... Karloftis, Ajabo, Hutchinson, uh, the kid from Ohio State, can't remember his name. Well, I, I mean, think of Boy Mafe from Minnesota. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he's supposed to go, like, right in that first round, second round. Right right on the line, yeah. Right on the line, maybe even to Kansas City. We'll wind down on Monday. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio one final time on a monday busy night we have uh, freshman baseball with Junior and uh, Southwest against North Star. So that gets rolling at 6.30. Excited for that. We'll see if the uh, the losing streak can stop. And then I got to go uh, watch my DVR'd Better Call Saul as uh, I'm, I'm fired up for that. We will have uh, our dear friend Mike St. James to recap episode three of Better Call Saul tomorrow, a Tuesday with Kaz. And then Mitch Sherman will be with us. Who dies tonight in Better Call Saul? I'm not up to date on this new season. Is that... Really? Mm-mm. Really? Uh, where, where are you at? Uh, I am still in the midst of last season. Okay. Okay. So, no spoilers, please. Well... <laughs> well, the, the problem is, is I, I keep on meaning to get around to it, but then... I got myself the new FIFA game a couple months back, and then over the weekend I got myself the new MLB The Show game. It's just- See, Junior's been on the show a lot. Yeah. He's not a lot out of, out of his room because he's you know still busted for off-field incidents. 
Mm. <laughs> but he's playing the hell out of video games. Hey, that's practice. That's that's testing that uh, that plate discipline. He's been to the cage a lot. Not like we don't have a cage in the basement we lock him in, but he's been to the batting cage a lot. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I, I think MLB, MLB the show might be might be better. My 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 player in that it's uh, it's called the Road to the Show mode. Uh, so in every single sports game I have, yeah, and in every single sports game I have from NBA to PGA to NFL, my guy's name is always Jimmy Thunder, and he's uh, he's balling out in Double A right now. So well, you I, should I get to Triple A. You should create a, either a, a Lalo or a, a Saul Goodman character player. Mm. Go there. Mm. I forget what Junior's. Junior's player's name as he created, <laughs> but it's it's not very nice. Yeah, I got the uh, I got the wild thing hair on my guy. Okay, you got the Ricky Vaughn cut, yeah. the veg the veg cut. Got that along with a uh, dirty dirty mustache on my guy. So better or thicker than yours or Magnum PI or are we talking Ron Jeremy? Um, we're Magnum PI. It's probably the best way to okay. put it with with the wild thing hair. It's a, it's a good combo. I, so yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm about. Uh, let's see, two two and a half months into my first Double A season, and uh, still still looking for my first home run. But no, just uh, uh, a good number of doubles, singles are, are sometimes there. Can you still RBIs. purchase amphetamines? I don't believe so. No, I, you, you, that's not part of the show. No, no. What about uh, HGH? I've been looking for that in the show. I'm, I'm, I'm unsure how to get it. Um, so that's the Grand Theft Auto crossover. See, you might have to go. Uh, there's no black market in in this show. Maybe they need to add that in order to get your character increased. Is you can take this so risk we, and take so we can get up to the show. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the, the the minor league drug testing policy. Why would you? I, I just well, <laughs> you just you would hear about once in a while you hear about sixty day bans from mm-hmm. guys in the minors, but I don't know if it's like the NFL. Where you, you, you have one day where everyone gets the old street drug pee test. Or if it's like you hit three home runs in a game, so you wake up with a, a note in your locker the next morning like you got to take We need test. to see you. <laughs> yeah, right. Pretty good. Enjoy the show. Check the podcast. Subscribe to us. Hail Varsity Radio. Give us a rating. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Back at four tomorrow with Hail Varsity. A Huda Media Production.